Welcome to the First Read Ultimate Spider-Man podcast, where we break down Bendis' iconic run on Ultimate Spider-Man, issues 1 through 160, and Earth 1610. I'm Zach, and with me as always, it's our... Le- is our oh, excellent! Got him! It's Johnny-o! Sorry, Zach, save it for the next week. <laughs> no, I, I'm gonna redeem myself. I'm Zach, and with me as always is our resident Time Lord, Johnny O. There, were you going to say that? Were you yeah. going to say Johnny O also? That's crazy. Yeah. Because I don't I know if we've ever even called called me that on this. I've heard other... Well, I think I have. Wow. Well, that was a good one. And I'm happy that you messed it up, too. <laughs> <laughs> they don't know that because I cut it. How you doing, John? <laughs> I'm doing. I'm doing great. How are you? Um, I'm also doing great. I got to go to the Colts game on Sunday. Oh, really? Yeah. How was that? Well, we lost, but it was fun. Yeah. Um, well, that's, we always lose. Anthony you know. Richardson's, uh, first touchdown was like right in front of me. And I mean, that's all I, all I could have asked for. Nice. Yeah. Nice. My cat, as Zach just saw, just dragged my microphone like all the way across the table. <laughs> so hopefully it didn't get messed up. Um, well, that's, that's really exciting. You think we're winning this week? And by we, I mean the Colts. Uh, I don't know. I mean, so obviously I root for my team. I want to see us win, but part of me just like already knows this season isn't going to be great. So we might as well get a high <laughs> draft pick. So I'm just you know, along for the ride. I'm just enjoying watching them play and hopefully it's yeah. good football. Yeah. You know, I, I just had this conversation with Elizabeth and I'll, and I'll let I'll ask for your opinion on it also, and because she was like something about the Colts, I don't even remember. Like, oh, aren't aren't we supposed to be good this year? And I was like, no, we stink, <laughs> you know. And um, and she was like, you don't sound like you care. And I'm like, I I don't care, you know. Like the Colts don't affect me uh, at all, so I don't care if we're bad or not, even though I watch them and. And anyway, she's like, you used to be such a big fan, though, blah, 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 what happened? And I, and I was like, well, when you cut the greatest player of all time, Peyton Manning, and then he goes and breaks the, the touchdown record and wins another Super Bowl and wins an MVP, like, you've lost all of your good, like, fan, you know, like, you don't deserve my fandom anymore. And then they drafted Andrew Luck and ruined his career and got him injured. So it's just like, I just don't care about them anymore. I care about my fantasy team too much to care about the Colts anymore. <laughs> wow, you've become so jaded. No, I haven't. I'm just, I was just, I guess I was really just always a bigger Peyton Manning fan than I was a Colts fan because deep in my heart, when the Broncos played the Colts, I was always upset when the Colts beat the Broncos, which we did twice for some reason, even though they were always better than us. Um, You're still so. saying us, though. That's the funny thing. <laughs> well, I do true. understand what I gotta you're talking about. I got to talk to about that, I guess. <laughs> yeah, you got to work out your, your Colts yeah. issues. It's like mommy or daddy issues, but it's, you know, oh, man, they no. cut Peyton and I just was never Except right again. I really just don't care. Yeah. If they help my fantasy team, I will root for them. I do know what you mean, though, because there was a weird thing for those four years where it's like everyone from Indiana who was a Colts fan was also a Broncos fan. 
And it was really awkward whenever those allegiances were kind of put to the test whenever we played them. I, I know it. I was at. I was, always outward, I was always outwardly rooting for the Colts and inwardly rooting for the Broncos. And the Colts always won. And I was bummed. <laughs> yeah, I was at Peyton's last game ever in Indianapolis. And it was as a Bronco. And we beat him. And there was a part of me that wanted to see him like yeah. win and flip off Ursay sure as he was running also. into the tunnel. Yeah. Oh, anyway, should we get into it? <laughs> you got yeah. anything else? I feel um, like we talk about the Peyton Manning days maybe more than <laughs> more than our listeners in other countries care. You can uh, deal yeah. with it, guys. <laughs> We're just the very specific age and from the very specific location where this is like a core oh. aspect of our identity. You know what? Okay. Should we save it for afterwards? I actually do have some other football stuff that I want to talk about. Kind yeah, of from that time period. Okay, let me just get into it. Let's save it from afterwards because okay. I can see it's going to make me spiral into that conversation it, too. It will. It will. Yeah. Okay. All right. Let's hear from the Better <laughs> Business Bureau. Every business says they're better. But the ones that earn and display the BBB seal back it up. It instantly identifies businesses that are committed to operating with integrity, honoring promises, and telling the truth. Makes you wonder why every business doesn't have it. So look for it, because it's looking out for you. That's why it's the sign of a better business. And find a better business anytime at bbb.org. Happens once wow. an episode, folks. I'll let you take that one out, but you have to keep the intro in. Oh god. I'm putting my foot down. <laughs> You're actually going to listen to this and check me I'm, out. I you? might actually listen to this and check Cuz it's it. the first 35 seconds. Yep, exactly. That's funny. All right, and we're back. This is I just learned this is a six-part episode issue, not episode issue uh like story right here. I think I assumed that it would finish up in these two issues we're reading this week, but I, I turned open the comic and it said, you know, it goes to part six. So, so last issues, they're making a Spider-Man movie and uh, Doc Ock escapes and comes to the Spider-Man set and then they start fighting. I don't know, Zach, maybe you should have done the recap. <laughs> no, I think you did a good job. Um, I think okay. it's funny that we called... We called that last episode uh, directed by Sam Raimi, and I put Toby Maguire's name in the episode description. And like within three days of it being posted, it already had more listens than the previous week's episode. So <laughs> that's that search engine optimization wow, working for okay. us. Hey, we've got to get on that. We got to make sure we do better on the search engine optimization. Yeah. I like the fun episode names, like In Loving Memory of Hearth Michelson and Corndog on a Stick, but clearly they just don't move the needle. Yeah, that's true. That's true. We got to sucker people in. Yeah. All right. So anyways, uh, getting into issue 56 of Ultimate Spider-Man. This one, as always, written by Brian Michael Bendis, penciled by Mark Bagley, inked by Art Tabare, colored by J.D. Smith, and lettered by Chris Iliopoulos. And we open on Gwen Stacy hiding behind a window curtain, watching the row of black fans parked on the street in front of the Parker house. And she wonders what is going on and thinks to herself, 
I used to be the daughter of a cop. I know a stakeout when I see one. And one of the agents who was pretending to be a gardener drops his shears and runs past Gwen's window while holding his earpiece. And all of the other agents also scurry out of their positions and get into the vans and speed off. And Gwen wonders what that was about. And these guys um, are, I know we say it every week, but these guys are so bad at their job. Like, they're being made by a 15-year-old girl, like, immediately. They take the secret out of Secret Agent. <laughs> so, yeah, Gwen wonders where they went to, and on the very next page, we see the likely answer. Um, Spider-Man is fighting Doc Ock on the set of Sam Raimi's Spider-Man movie. And Peter is quipping about how much it sucks that Otto is making him protect the set of a movie that they're making about him without his permission. And says, that's just really mean. Okay, Zach, I just had a really interesting thought here. So first, my original thought that I took notes on was, do you notice anything about the way Doc Ock is dressed? Yeah, I do. They dressed him like he's dressed in Spider-Man 2. Yeah, like exactly like he's dressed in it. He's got the trench coat and everything, which is such a better look than his like goofy green and purple outfit. Like this is an awesome panel that we get here of Spider-Man of us seeing them fighting. Um, but this is the interesting thought I had. What if in this universe or or I guess maybe we could even say in our universe, the Spider-Man 2 movie that we got because throughout this fight that's going on, we see the camera guys be like, I'm still rolling. I'm still getting this. Zach knows what I'm about to say, but what if the movie we saw is supposed to be like this movie that this this universe where they are actually fighting, you know, and theoretically, the Spider-Man 2 movie, it's not acting. It's like the real thing, you know, it's is a that documentary what they're kind of going for. I think that's really cool and funny, but unfortunately it doesn't work because that they're filming Spider-Man. It's not what happens also. <laughs> yeah. They're fil filming Spider-Man here, not Spider-Man 2. And we actually know the character Peter Parker in the, yeah, the okay, movies we have. Exactly. Yeah. But I get what you're going for and I I think that's like a funny read on it. You don't think you <laughs> you don't think that they're having like Toby Maguire like acting and then they're just like throwing in real shots of this like doc Ock. they're just like splicing his conversations together oh, oh i think that's definitely the plan now that they have the opportunity <laughs> yeah. to film he's the real spider-man he's definitely going to be a side villain in this movie that they're making yeah um so someone in a suit tells otto's ex-wife that she has to get out of there and Otto throws Peter to the ground and starts trying to impale him with his arms while screaming, die, die, die. And he asks, why are you even here, Parker? Why are you everywhere I am? And Peter catches the arm and struggles to push it away while he says, because I love you, Otto. And Avi Arad, Sam Raimi, and Tobey Maguire uh, try to figure out what name Doc Ock just called Spider-Man. But all they caught was the ER at the end. And Spidey asks Octavius, where do you keep escaping from? Because I'm no expert, but that place really needs some sort of security upgrade. 
And how do you keep getting those arms back? Why haven't they chopped them up into bite-sized pieces? Things we've said a million times. He's asking the real questions. Yes, he is. Questions Nick Fury has never in his life bothered to think about. I was just about to say, next time he sees Nick Fury, he needs to be like, dude, chop up Doc Ock's arms. I'm so sick of dealing with your guys' mistakes here. Truly, Peter is smarter than a S.H.I.E.L.D. director. (laughs) Um. Dr. That, that was Oculus. another really good episode title, by the way. Thank Zach. you. I I just think I'm killing it with these, but you, you have them. You got to play the SEO game. Well, um, directed by Sam Raimi is also a great title. It just yeah, happens that, to catch that SEO. That's true. That's the the rare unicorn that that gets both yeah. ends. Um, but yeah, Doc Ock uppercuts him in the chin with one of the arms and sends him flying, and. Peter lands at the feet of Arad, Ramey, and McGuire and says to them, how you doing? Right before getting uh, pulled back into the fight by two of the mechanical arms. It's just a really fight-heavy issue. I feel like I'm just describing the hits. Otto binds Peter and picks him up by the neck and starts giving him a villain speech. And right then, we kind of get like a, like a break in the tension because the actor, Bruce Campbell who's still dressed as Mysterio, runs by screaming, Oh God, don't kill me. I'm just an actor. And this distracts both Peter and Otto for a moment. But then Otto continues talking and tells Peter that while he didn't come here looking for him, he's delighted at the opportunity Peter has just presented him with. And just then, an unmasked black man in a Spider-Man suit runs up behind Doc Ock and smashes a large camera over his head. And Peter says, who are you? And the man says, his name's Leroy. I'm one of the stunt doubles on this picture. And Peter says, I thought I got revamped there for a second. And Leroy says, guy's going to shut down production. He's got, he's got to pay me. And he keeps trying to smash the camera over Doc Ock's head. Uh, unfortunately, um, Otto knocks Leroy flying with one of the arms and Peter grabs. Do you think he's okay? I hope so. He was cool. Okay. Me too. I, I think he is also. I, I I like when genuinely asking you, like, (laughs) I like when bystanders kind of like insert themselves into the scene and you're like, yeah, I I love this guy too. Definitely. This is very, uh, New York. You know, <laughs> like the scene where they're throwing stuff off the bridge. Exactly. Yeah. You mess with one of us, you mess with all of us. <laughs> That's great. You know, that was apparently added as like a reference to yeah, like post 9 11 unity. Yeah. Good. I love it. I'm yeah. a sucker for it. You probably cried. I probably would if I watched it today. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, Yeah, Peter grabs one of Otto's arms and starts swinging him around and smashes him into a van. And then Otto throws Peter over a bridge and into a car on an underpass. And the scene changes back to the Parker house where we see Mary Jane rings the doorbell and Gwen answers it. And John, I don't know, should I talk about like what Gwen was doing right before that? Um, 
didn't even notice what she was doing until I just okay. looked back because you said that she was taking a poo. There, she's Zach, like, how, how could you ask that and then not just mention it? <laughs> she's like on the toilet. And I guess in the last episode, she did tell Aunt May, yeah, I can't talk on the phone because I have to go to the bathroom. But yeah, she's like. But you know what is you know what I did just notice is a little inappropriate in the scene where she's looking through the people. We can like clearly see her underwear. This is the reason Did I you bring it up. That? I just, I just noticed that when I was when I was looking For back. The rest of the damn issue, she. Oh never my gosh! In the zi- next page, holy sh- yeah! She never zips up her pants. She never buttons up her pants. She's walking around. She got off the toilet to answer the doorbell, and she's walking around with her pants falling down. And we see that she's in a pink thong the whole time. It's like. I can honestly say I didn't notice that until you just like until until I was looking back on these, maybe paying a little bit more attention to it. I like to pay more attention to the reading, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I actively wow, don't that's, like that's, it. That's in a, yeah, yeah. It's definitely we don't need to see know. a fifteen-year-old's pink thong. <clears throat> I think right after she was taking a dump. <laughs> I think sometimes probably like the illustrators, you know, they forget that like these characters are supposed to be like teenagers. Yeah. Anyways. So all this to say, Mary Jane's coming by. And as soon as the door opens, MJ says, hello, gorgeous. And I I did kind of like the dialogue in this scene because it gets at what we were talking about last episode, which is. Mary Jane and Gwen have like slowly become friends kind of off panel. So she calls Gwen gorgeous and she just bursts right into the house and starts right into a, like a soliloquy about how she's free from her eternal grounding. And she tells Gwen that her mom finally kicked her dad out of the house and says, while we were at school, she told him to pack his stuff and get out. And he did. He left. He gone. Bye-bye. And with him leaves the tyrannical tyranny that was my life. And Gwen says, tyrannical tyranny? And MJ just says, I'm on a roll. And MJ starts calling up the stairs for Peter, saying, Peter, I'm not grounded any... Why do I feel like I said that like Lois Griffin? Peter, (laughs) not grounded anymore. And Aunt May is in Florida. The sky is the limit. That is awful. That sounds nothing like Lois. <laughs> what accent is that? Is that like, is that, is that Boston, I guess? <laughs> I mean, aren't all of the uh, family guy yeah. accents just like yeah, vaguely Massachusetts? Just, yeah, yeah, exactly. But again, like, this isn't even Bagley this time. This is Bendis saying as soon as Aunt May's out of town and MJ's like ungrounded, she comes over to his house and starts yelling uh the sky's the limit like yeah they need to, I, I, they need to I, tone I down like... the hormone <laughs> yeah yeah anyways probably. yeah there were a lot of things in these issues that i did not care for um gwen tells her that peter isn't here and mary jane instantly looks disappointed and then gwen is like she should have known that already and she asks if um peter's supposed to be at work and Mary Jane quickly covers for him and says, oh, oh, yeah, work. Yeah, that's where he's at. And then she asks Gwen what she's about to do. And Gwen says, just watch some movies and decompress. 
And Mary Jane says she could go for that too and invites herself to stay and then goes to get food from the kitchen. And that was just so funny to me because in high school, I was the house that all my friends would come to and just like walk in the door and just go to the kitchen and start like making pizza rolls or something, just help themselves <laughs> to food. So this, that just brought me back and felt very funny. Um, and Gwen turns on the TV and the news is covering the fight at the movie set. And from around the corner, MJ hears the coverage and asks Gwen mutants. And Gwen responds, Spider-Man. And Mary Jane instantly freaks out and makes up some half-coherent excuse to leave suddenly. And we just get two panels zooming in on Gwen, watching her with wide eyes and an open mouth. What do you think, John? Um, I don't know. I didn't really think anything of it at the time. I was like... I. I just didn't think anything of it. I was like, oh, she's surprised Mary Jane is just like running out. She's like, gotcha. Oh, that's, you know. Yes, we'll see. I guess we'll uh, see. <laughs> so we cut back to the fight, which at this point has ended up inside the Lincoln Tunnel. And we get one really unsettling panel of Doc Ock where his goggle sunglass things have been knocked off. And we see his scarred face as he has a full-on conversation with his mechanical arms. And the arms have apparently convinced him that he needs a new approach. And then we see an Arabic man in a turban who's filming the whole fight. And Peter shoots his camera lens with webbing before getting knocked out by Doc Ock's arms. And the next thing we see, um, Peter wakes up duct taped to a chair in a private jet that's already airborne. Okay, so here's one thing that I'm not really sure I see the point of, but Doc Ock is like, we need to do this with more finesse. We are getting too beat up. And then he just immediately knocks Spider-Man out with a punch. <laughs> right, yeah. The the finesse, the plan was just knock him out, I guess. yeah. Like, he hadn't thought of that earlier. Yeah. No, I think that leads into what he's going to do in the next issue. Yes, it, it, it does, you know. But at the moment, that wasn't any more finesse. Right. At, but at the moment, it seems like he just somehow decides, oh, if I hit him in the head really hard, that'll work. Yeah. So, John, I have got a scale for us. Thank um, the Lord. Because uh, I don't want to be wrong, but I think this is the last time we actually are on the film set. And it got okay. me thinking about the original Spider-Man Sam Raimi movie that we got in our real world. And I looked up Roger Ebert's uh, review of it from back in the day. Um, so out of a five-star film review, we're not doing out of ten today, out of a five-star film review, tell me what you would give this episode, this issue, and then I want to hear your guess for what you think Roger Ebert gave the Spider-Man movie. Okay. Um, I liked this issue. I, um, you know, I've been, I've been liking a lot of these past ones. You know, that stuff about Gwen, right? I didn't really, it, I didn't notice it until we looked back on it. It was kind of small. Like, yeah, it's it's a little sleazy. Um, 
but I'm not going to ding the issue for it. So I was going to give this one, you know, an 8 out of 10. So I'll give it a 4 out of 5, and I'm not going to ding the issue for for what we found out about it while we were talking. Because okay. I did, I, I, I liked it. I thought it was a good one. I'm liking this Doc Ock stuff. Okay. I am going to give it a 2.5. I knew so you like were going to be 50%. critical. Because I did notice the thong and the, the even the issue, there's not much substance to it anywhere. Like, most of these pages are just fighting. The only thing of any, like, real substance and, like, value that I found out of it was the couple of panels of Mary Jane and Gwen, like, passing the Bechdel test. Like, they have a positive conversation with each other that has nothing to do with peter you know no they don't, but they don't but they don't pass the bechdel test okay i guess she's their conversation about exactly <laughs> yeah um you know zach actually now that okay now that you mentioned that i may have to re- because i do fear that maybe i'm getting into a situation where when these reads are quick and i'm interested in them they just get high scores because i'm like Boom, we're taking notes like this was a breeze. It was it was nice and fun, like eight out yeah. of ten. You know, we knocked it out. Um, it was a fast issue. It wasn't necessarily but, but, a good but you're, issue. But you're right. It maybe it didn't really have that much going on. You know, they I'm trying to think about it. Like Peter shows up, they fight, and then he gets knocked out. And like that's really the entire issue, isn't it? So and then we get that one conversation about Gwen and MJ, but even that Nothing really happens in it. The only new information is like MJ's dad left, which is great, but it doesn't really matter that much to the story, except like she's not grounded anymore, which she was only grounded for one issue. So what's it really matter at the end of the day? You know, like I didn't even know her dad was still in the picture until two issues ago. I thought they were divorced anyways. We couldn't even get the guy's name right. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Were we really supposed to take him seriously as a threat? Oh wow, the the guy who has four different names isn't in the story anymore. Like, that's shocking. I wonder how that happened. So <laughs> you're like, right. Maybe not... I will. Maybe I will take this down to a three because I will ding points for the thong, and I'll ding points for the lack of story. Uh, so, so I'll take it down to a three. Mary Jane's dad almost feels like a character that gets like killed off of a TV show because the actor was problematic or something or died yeah, or whatever. Yes, but that's not yes, the case. He's just a drawing. They could keep him there if they wanted, but they just the guy sucks. Yeah. <laughs> um, um. Okay. Yeah. Cool. So uh, now oh, I want now you Rob, to guess, Roger Roger Ebert's score. Yes. Out of five stars, what do you think he gave the Spider-Man movie back in the day? I am going to guess... No Googling. I didn't. That's not what I was doing. I was making notes about something that we're going to talk about later that I didn't want to forget. Um, I'm going to guess... Do they give halves? Yeah, they have halves. I'm going to guess that he gave this... I'm not even going to do a half. I'm going to say four out of five. He gave Spider-Man to a four out of five. Maybe a four and a half out of five. I feel like he gave it a good review. Okay, so I was surprised to learn this, but in his review, Roger Ebert says specifically that he was a big fan of Spider-Man comics growing up. That was like a big part of his life. Does do you want to do you want to change your 
score based off of that information? I I, I don't. Okay. It's a good he, movie. <laughs> he was disappointed by it. He Power said, of the sun in the palm of his hand, Zach. That's the second one. I'm talking about the first one. Oh, okay. I actually thought we were talking about the Doc Ock movie. That's oh, why shoot. we were doing this, because it was the Doc Ock movie. <laughs> you know, maybe I should have looked up that one, but no, because they're filming Spider-Man 1 in this arc. Okay. Um. Well, you've kind of already spoiled it, but I, yeah, I, would, shoot. I, I still think I would have said a 4, because I think that's a good movie, too. Yeah. Um. Apparently, he thought Tobey Maguire played a good Peter Parker. But he said, "I was going to say, if there was a problem, I think it was maybe the green." Oh wait, I'm sorry, I interrupted you when I didn't even know what you were going to say. He said, "Toby Maguire played a convincing Peter Parker, but his uh, Spider-Man was about as realistic as Mighty Mouse." That's a that's a really big burn because he's <laughs> like, "You played a really good loser, pathetic guy." <laughs> You not convincing as a cool guy. Oh, it's just the worst. I just think it's so funny that like Roger Ebert, like this, like the top film critic of probably all time is like secretly just like a mark for old Spider-Man comics. And he's like, no, you did the superhero part wrong. Like the story <laughs> and the pacing and the directing, that was all fine. But I wanted to see a Spider-Man movie, damn it. Well, I don't know if I agree with that because I thought that was a good movie. Yeah, I don't think that's really held up that his opinion has really, you know, time has been kind to it. But I thought it was yeah. interesting nonetheless. I think I think maybe one day for a bonus issue, which this this would be so easy to do, right? Zach and I are always looking for bonus episodes we can just bang out without having to do, you know, do a bunch of work for. We haven't done um, one in a while. No, I think that this would be a good one. What I'm about to say is we should rank all of the different, all of the Spider-Man movies that have come out, we should rank them. Like, one to whatever there have been. 13, or I don't know how many there have been. But that could be fun to do. You might not like this, but I feel like that's too easy. I feel like you should also add in, like, the fan films, or the cartoons, or something, you know? Really broaden the scope so we have more to talk about. Maybe There's video like games. Fifteen movies, if we count. Let's see: three Tobey Maguire's, two Andrew Garfield's, three Tom Holland's makes eight. Two Spider Verses makes ten. If we're counting Civil War, which we won't, so I won't even say it. Okay, so that's ten. Right, but so we're we the could experts. maybe so we so we could include like the animated series. I, I've I've seen like five. I had a DVD back in the day that were like six episodes of the animated series. And so I've seen like those six episodes a hundred times and I've never seen like any of the other ones. I've um, watched those the whole were thing good, on Disney, so. Disney Plus. So, okay. Well, well, that's that's an idea that I think would be a good bonus episode for a Spider-Man podcast to do. Listeners, I at least write in also, if you think that that'd be a good idea and tell us your rankings. I at least want to also add the really campy Japanese one from the seventies that people on the internet like to laugh about. And then the one from like the early nineties that some guy did on like a $500 budget and did his well, own. These are stunt. obviously going to be like 14 and 15 in the ranking system. <laughs> well, that's fine. But I, I just kind of want to watch the one where the guy. Okay. Okay. He, Cause he did we his can, own stunt. He was like jumping off buildings and stuff. And like, he could have died. 
I've never seen either of these or heard of them. So, so I I'll don't really want to watch Spider Man Lotus because that's like known as like the the racist Spider Man. I don't know what that is either. <laughs> so we don't have to watch that one. It was like a big internet thing recently. Like it came out this year. Huh. Huh. Okay. But we won't give it any more attention. No. <laughs> okay. Do we have anything else on this first issue? I don't. Okay. Let me. Okay. So issue 47. Got it pulled up here. 57. Sorry, Zach. Um, Peter wakes up on this plane and it, it appears from the first panel to be flying through outer space. The moon is, is that, way too is big that, and the stars are way me? too bright. Like no. the the way it looks, it looks like we are traveling to space, I think, not just traveling on a plane. And the only reason I really say that is 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 to point out the the art, but we aren't going to space. We're just no. flying to another airway. The whole issue I thought we were go- going to space. <laughs> I that would have been cool. I yeah, I was like, what is what does Doc Ock have planned with flying to the moon or something, right? So <laughs> that's the way it looks, I think. Um But it's not happening. So Peter wakes up and he's strapped to a chair with a bunch of the seatbelts tied together around him. And that should probably hold him. I thought it was duct tape this whole time. I I thought it was duct tape also and then i really went back and looked at it and i was like i think that that's the seat belts tied together either way duct tape or seat belts that should hold him right <laughs> yeah um so doc ock rips off the mask and he's kind of towering above peter and he smacks him in the mouth with one of his arms when peter starts to like mouth off and call him crazy and he tells he gives him a line that I found really chilling. He says, "I what does he say exactly? He says like this is the rest of your life." Which to me, I thought it meant he's going to be like Peter's going to be like tied up, being experimented on his entire life. Like you know, which once again we find out that's not what he means. He just wants to kill him. I think when he says this is for the rest of your life, it means like I'm going to do this until I kill you in like thirty for the next minutes. fifteen minutes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, which is not as chilling of a thought. I mean, it's still pretty nefarious. It is. <laughs> um, and Peter says, "You loosen the tooth, you crazy goof!" Ow! Before Doc Ock jams a claw in his mouth. And says, let me take a look. I am a doctor. And he yanks the tooth out. And we actually see Peter begin crying. Um, and man, he's like down bad right now. This is this is not looking good for him. We've never it's, really seen him this vulnerable. It's pretty visceral. It's pretty gross when you see like the silhouette of this like bloody tooth in Doc Ock's claw. Yeah. Kind of made me shudder. Yeah. Well, man, I just got this tooth taken out. I don't know if we told the listeners, and it was like a total nightmare. And I actually have some nerve damage from it, listeners, if we didn't tell you. (laughs) And But it took like an hour and a half, and it was like the worst experience ever. And and I was like numbed up like crazy. 
So to think if they just went in there and just ganked it as hard as they can to get it out in one second rather than the hour and a half it took to like get it out. I was really feeling for Peter here. I was like, oh my gosh, that that has to hurt so badly. <laughs> like, And he's definitely getting nerve damage. Luckily, he'll heal, but, but that's not how you're supposed to take a tooth out. Just the thought of it. A doctor should know that. Yeah, just the thought of it is like nails on a chalkboard. Yeah, it is. It's, it's, it's me too. I, yeah, you like cringe when you even like think about it. Um, so Doc Ock webs. Peter starts like screaming, and Doc Ock like webs his mouth shut with Peter's own web shooters. And he tells him at first he thought that they were organic shooters, which is probably another little Easter egg to the movies where it is organic web shooters, which which I thought was nice, and. Doc Ock really says he only has Peter there as collateral. You know, he's Peter's just there in case like cops show up when they land the plane. He can like bargain for Peter's life. And real quick, I think you kind of buried the lead about when he shoots him in the in the mouth with his own webs. He's like wearing the web shooter, not on his actual hand, but on one of his mechanical hands. And I just thought, oh, is he? How, yeah, he is. How cool and scary of an idea would it be if, like, Doc Ock had web shooters on all of his tentacles and he was, like, okay. web swinging with four arms? This, this brings up something else related to the movies that I now have to talk about. Um, and, and Zach, you might know this, but I'm sure not the listeners might not. But James Cameron originally wrote the script for spider-man that was kind of like purchased by sony and then it it ended up getting like rewritten and james cameron got you know left from the project at a certain point and it turned into the spider-man one movie that it is today but in james cameron's original script doc ock was the main villain and he went by spider-man and there's like this scene, it like doesn't really make sense, right? But there's this scene where Doc Ock and Spider-Man are like fighting each other and they're Doc Ock's like, I'm the real Spider-Man, you know, like doing exactly what you said, like swinging around with his metal arms and everything like that. And 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 that was like a James Cameron Spider-Man script. So there you go. I had not heard that. I'd heard some weird stuff about his script. Well, I would I would also recommend anyone who is interested in that to look it up because I'm sure you will learn much more than what I just, you know, said from memory hearing about it years ago. But yeah. from what I know about that movie, it's probably a good thing that it didn't get made and what we yeah. have today did. Yeah. Um but maybe that's a little easter egg to it, you know? Uh probably not. <laughs> um not so, everything's an easter egg, John. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So Doc Ock begins to kind of play armchair therapist here, and he starts lecturing Peter about how pathetic and immature he is because this whole Spider-Man shtick he's doing is clearly just like a, I want my daddy to love me, um, you know, kind of thing. And I don't think that's true. Zach, do you? I think what he's getting at is he knows who Peter's dad was. He says he was a scientist, not a very good one. I didn't respect him that much, but he was a scientist and I know he died. And he, so you didn't know your dad's love and you want the city to love you instead. And I just, that's very, I just don't agree with that. 
yeah, it's cynical, but it is an explanation for why someone would like dress up in a costume and, you know, fight crime. But the thing is, it loses all credibility just for the merit of coming from Doc Ock. It is an explanation. And and it would it's probably right be a one. better it would be a better explanation for like Batman, maybe, who yeah. does clearly have like, you know, parent issues. But but maybe I just Daredevil. think Doc, Doc Ock Doc Ock is he's not a doctor of therapy or whatever that would be called. So I think Psychology. he's way off base here. Yeah. And he himself is like this outlandish super villain with all these weird motives. Like <laughs> he's always wanting revenge on people. It's like, Hey, let's psychoanalyze that Octavius. Is, how, how would you like is, that? What's your thing about one, revenge? <laughs> there is one thing that he, I didn't take notes on, but he and Peter are like fighting at some point and he, and he's like, do you understand how frustrating it is that every time I turn around, I'm either looking at you or Osborne or my ex-wife he hates them all so much. Yeah. I feel like Nick Fury would be like the fourth head on that Mount Rushmore. Yeah. Yeah. So so that is pretty funny. <laughs> okay, so Doc Ock finishes this speech and he pauses before saying another kind of chilling thing. He says, You know I will kill you tonight. We will kill you, talking about his arms. And Peter looks pretty scared. And um we find out that they've got about 20 minutes before they land and Doc Ock's like, well, I've got 20 minutes to kill you. I'm sure you're curious how you ended up on this plane. Like, why don't I go ahead and tell you? And now we're, we're kind of seeing in the past and we see Peter get rocked against that car and he passes out. And then we see Doc Ock grab the guy that Peter webbed his camera in the last issue. And he says, you know, like, you'll do. And then it it cuts away. It cuts to a bunch of police officers. And they're like, it's Doc Ock, shoot him. And they all immediately shoot a hundred bullets into him before they realize that it wasn't Doc Ock at all. It was this random guy strung up by the metal arms. And man, that is like really sad to me. That's just really messed up. I hated this. I honestly forgot that this was even something that happened in this series. And I read this last night and even today at work, I was thinking about this and I was like, oh my God, I can't believe anyone that was attached to this comic let this happen. So you got to think contextually, this guy is the first muslim character we've seen as far as we know in this entire series it's like the first arabic character we've seen um and this is coming in the early 2000s when like islamophobia was at its peak we were in iraq we were in afghanistan and the first representation of like a arabic muslim person they have is this guy doesn't get a name doesn't get any speaking lines doesn't get any um dignity given to him as a character and he he just gets used and then um, and well, i don't i don't know about that because i do think that it's supposed to be really sad or maybe that's you just think how so? i read a, read it but i feel like they realized okay. they shot him 
and he's full of holes and their immediate reaction is crap it wasn't doc ock it wasn't we just killed someone oh the humanity (laughs) and also it's a little even harder to read today because he's an innocent person who just got blown away by police okay so So, you've you've now mentioned a couple different things that i that i also was was going to mention it and hadn't even gotten to because the cop stuff was on the next page but yes it's pretty looking at it by today's standards and even back then this is very much the police just shot a hundred times before really reading the situation at all it's not that hard to see that this is a different entire person who's connected to all these arms right like so that's pretty messed up. Cops don't come across very well in this comic. Like we say a lot of times, like Man, in this particular issue, you think? I feel like we've said a lot. Like these cops are useless or not. I good. mean, Shield is yeah, medically useless. Oh, uh, but then, like you mentioned, on the very next page after this happens, the cops just throw each other under the bus immediately. They're like, "Oh shoot, we shot this guy." And then the one standing right next to him that surely also shot him is like, that's why you've got to do a better job at reading the situation. And it's just like, man, this is probably what actually does happen, right? They make a mistake and then they're like, oh, well, you you said this and then you said this. And what choice did I have? But to they don't come across very well in this. Yeah. I'm going to argue that this scene, it goes deeper than just being really offensive and like wrong, like as a portrayal, you know, it's just, it goes beyond that. It breaks the story for me. It breaks Doc Ock as a usable comic book character because there's, there's like a difference, you know, between the kind of villainous things that you can do in a story like this and it still be escapism versus the villainous things that you do and you become an avatar of like real life evils that people worry about so like when doc ock is robbing banks and throwing cars and saying he's going to take over the world we can laugh at it and say that's a that's a comic book character the good guys you know gonna fight him and we can just take this story at face value but when you make it something like this you know literally using a muslim guy in the early 2000s as your scapegoat to get blown away by cops all of a sudden the story i think their intent was now it this is to show how serious of a threat doc ock is but it takes away the escapism of the superhero comic book genre that we were here for in the first place. You know, it just, it makes it stop being a, the lighthearted read that we're, we were kind of on board for. Okay. So if this random guy that he grabbed and did this to was a white guy, would, would this still be too evil of a thing? I think so. I think it's, it's, it's pretty gross as like a getaway plan, but I, I agree. Think, I think I have given the context to say about Doc Ock later on, given the context that this is the first Muslim dude we ever have seen in these 50 some odd issues, it feels like a specific choice that is grosser. Yeah. Um, hmm. I definitely, definitely see where you're coming from. 
But also, I for sure would not have a problem with this if it was a white guy because I've seen this stuff in movies and I actually kind of like it. Like, have you ever seen the movie Inside Man where they like rob a bank and the way yes. they get out is they dress everybody up as the criminals and the cops don't know who's who. And and the Joker does that also in The Dark Knight. You know, he he tapes guns to, to hostages hands. So so this is not exactly something we've never seen before. But I don't know. I think it's very evil, and I and I don't have a problem with it. Like I, he's he's being very very villainous here. Yeah, I think the it's fact that it, it works and they actually kill the dude is what it's changes it. It's really sad. It's not the tone that we normally get in this series. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um. Well said. Okay. I think we. I think we. I figured we'd spend some time on that on that yeah. panel because a lot happened it. in there and the cops were were not very considerate of that guy also which is a whole nother thing you know it's a whole saying, other thing that we've talked about before where these random people that get killed just don't get like any realistic like love from the comic writers at all they're all just right. like come to the side and they're never given a name and they probably had a family and you know yada yada this guy is a hearth michelson He's- he is he is. He's just a casualty that we're supposed to say, well, that sucked and keep moving. And you know and then, what? There are there are potentially two more Hearth Michelsons here in this issue later on that I'm that I'm going to stop us on a page and talk about. Um, OK, so and before just before we we are done with this, I do want to make a distinction. We keep saying the cops. It's also shield. Like, I think it's the shield guys specifically that shoot him. It's like cops and shield all there together. And in my mind, there's like not really a difference. Like shield is just cops that work for Nick Fury. I guess that's how I've kind of been seeing them all as also, you know, but sometimes wanted... it seems like they're police officers. Sometimes it's like shield agents. Yeah. But, but that is good to, good to say. Yeah. Because now that I look at it, these, these guys who we see like passing the buck, they are definitely shield agents. They are they not are. like in police uniforms. It's agent Wu. <laughs> Jim from the office. Y- yeah. Yeah. Shield, um, part-time cops, full-time doofuses. <laughs> yeah. Um so so where even are we in my notes? <laughs> well, we're done with all that. Uh, um he's got Peter. Ch- okay, yep. He so so he kidnaps Peter as all this is happening and he gets into a car and kind of hijacks it and his arms slither down a building and hop into the car with him the other reason that the shield agents are so stupid is they're like arguing about shooting this guy while the arms are slithering away follow they could follow the arms they're so stupid they're like, not they don't like think... teeny tiny spiders they're huge metal arms like swinging around on buildings it's like they don't think about the fact that doc hawk is going to want those back yeah um so and then the and then the arms get into the car and I think it's kind of funny like the arms and Peter are, as Spider Man are like in the front seat or Doc Ock and Spider Man are in the front seats and the arms are in the back and it's just kind of like a funny road trip visual I think um, and they drive to that airfield and luckily they drive to an airfield and luckily there is a plane that either just landed or was just taking off and they hijack it and Zach. If we look at the page where they pull up to the airfield, there is clearly the pilot, and then there is a mother, a father, a baby, and a younger kid. 
Okay. And I point this out because later on the hijacked plane, we only see the pilot. So, what do you think happened to this family? I've got three options for us. They Um, were either immediately killed, they are being held hostage on the plane, or they just ran away because Doc Ock didn't need them. He needed the pilot. What do you think? Well, I hate to tell you this, but I think the answer is the bottom right panel on page 14. We see Doc Ock's arms extend fast right past the pilot. And I think he impaled the mom and dad. And if he impaled the mom, he probably also hit the baby. And then we can assume he did something with the kid, probably killed him too. He killed everyone that wasn't essential to flying the plane. It's really sad to think about him killing the kids. Um, But he probably did. I kind of assumed he probably killed them also from from that same panel that we we don't see what happens. Um, And we don't even see that he's attacking. He could just be like reaching for the plane. He could be theoretically reaching for anything. But based on how often he kills random innocent people, he probably killed these people, which I think we have to put him on the Mount Rushmore of pieces of work at this point. I don't think we can go any longer without having him on there. When I look behind me and I see who's on our Mount Rushmore, I think that we have to take someone off. So... Do you want to rehash who's on our list here? Or do you need me to? Because you can't see it that well. Uh, I think I know them all, but I can't see them that well. So we've got we've got Osborne. That's Norman. We've got Gillette. We've got Hank Pym and um, Justin Hammer, right? No, that's Mrs. Stacy. Okay, she replaced Justin Hammer. Yes. And... I think there's a very obvious choice of who needs to come off here for Doc Ock, but I'm going to let you give your opinion before we before I say mine. Is it Gwen's mom? She has to come off. She's she is a piece of work, but being a terrible mom is not the same as murdering innocent people. True. And everyone else on this list does that along with being a terrible person. Specifically, most of them are, are terrible parents. Parents or and, and, and wives partners. and husbands anyways. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> they don't like that. Yeah. I mean, do I think? guess. Do, do we do we replace it? I, I thought we were also doing like a Hall of Fame, like the animatronic Hall of Presidents. Oh. But, but if that's the case... Miss Stacy can just go into that. Yeah. So I'm with you. Um, good job, Otto Octavius. You yeah, were I... enough of a dick this issue. You made the list of infamy. The, the, the pieces of work, Mount Rushmore. And I was going to let your answer on what happened to those innocent people at the airway, like, determine if he takes the spot or not. Because if you said, I think he probably just let him run away. I was going to be like, okay, that's fine. He's still redeemable. <laughs> yeah. I didn't even realize my answer carried that much weight. But, I but know, yeah, well, there's, why, yeah, there's no way he didn't kill that family. Yeah. So Doc Ock finishes the story because now we're on the plane where Peter woke up. And he goes to check on the pilot. And he's like, 
Okay, Peter, I've got to go check on the pilot in the other room real fast. So, you know, don't do anything. <laughs> and, good. and he's been talking to the pilot the entire plane ride, but... For this conversation, he needs to go into the cockpit, shut the door, and talk to the pilot. Okay? So, so yeah, that makes sense. Peter's duct taped. You know. <laughs> and, um, right, of course, Peter escapes. And he, and he jumps out the, the plane. And Doc Ock gets mad and yells, Parker! And, man, like, <laughs> they're just so stupid. <laughs> Everybody's just doesn't make decisions that make sense. He's okay. been talking to the pilot the entire flight. <laughs> I think I can explain this away, though. Okay, he go for it. also is an extremely psychologically broken man who talks to machinery. Okay. <laughs> and goes okay. on killing sprees. Like, he's, he's a scientist, you know, but, like, I don't know that he can be described as intelligent anymore. He's He's yeah. not... He's not coherent. He can't yeah. make good strategies. Okay, that's fine. If we're going to explain it away just by being like, he's a stupid person. <laughs> not even stupid. Like, he's got he's got some yeah. kind of, like, brain damage because of yeah, like, I can what see he's that. been through. I can see that. I mean, that. God only knows. Even if, even if that, like, he already had some from the experiment that went wrong. Just think about all the punching to the face that he's taken from Spider-Man that hasn't helped any. <laughs> that's true. He might be getting um, dumber as the series yeah, progresses. That's true. He's just a normal man. <laughs> Peter honestly just needs, there's like no excuse for him to be causing this much trouble. Put a bullet in his head when he's like with the arm sometime. He's just a man. Um, so back at the Parkers, we see Gwen, and she's thinking, because she knows something's been going on, and she sneaks into the basement, and we see the case that is locked always, and P and she breaks into it, and she finds Peter's spare Spider-Man outfit, and she looks at it horrified before saying, you killed my father, and the issue ends. My name is Gwen Stacy. You killed my father. <laughs> Prepare to die. It's it's not really it doesn't really make sense that she would say that. Like last week I tried to give her the benefit of the doubt and say like she's she's not actually saying this Spider-Man killed her father. She's saying like the idea of it in general killed her father. You know, he keeps popping up everywhere. But now she's specifically like Peter Parker who is the actual Spider-Man, is the one that killed my father in Atlantic City. While she was at they, school with where him. They, yeah, where they proved that it's not the real Spider-Man. So she's kind of losing it a little bit here. Gwen, girl, you're better than this. And I'm hoping that this can all be solved by a simple conversation, but I know it won't be. Yeah. Um, what did you think of this one? Do you have a... Do you have a, uh, do you have a or a rating system? I don't have a scale. Um, because okay, this wasn't me... my issue. Uh, oh my gosh, what a <laughs> shot! What a what a <laughs> wow! I made sure I had a really good one for mine. I did my job. Um, you did have a good one. Yeah, I'm not going to be kind to this issue either. My issues that we've already talked about in this one 
go deeper than Gwen's underwear and just like a lack of good story from the last issue. This is going to be my lowest graded Ultimate Spider-Man issue to date. This is like a, what I don't know, two okay. or three out of ten. Why don't we rate this one? I did not know that Peter had a spare Spider-Man outfit. I specifically thought he only had one. Um, so when oh yeah, because we he's wearing that, it right exactly. now. Exactly. And when and when we saw that immediately, I was like, "Is Peter not wearing his Spider-Man outfit?" And then I actually flipped back and I was like, "No, he's in his Spider-Man outfit. He must have an extra." Which I don't think he. It's like a big deal that he didn't have a costume for a little All bit, the right? time. But I don't believe that he has an extra. So He's let's like, Mary Jane, can you fix my costume? Yeah. I only have the so, one. So we make this one out of five spare Spider-Man costumes. Perfect. It's a one. It's a one. Um, Boy, I, I, really, I really disagree. I actually like this one a lot. Um, really? I, I What'd did. you like? I... I like it when our villains just have conversations with the heroes. I generally like that in like movies, TV shows, comics, you know, um, I, I'm like a sucker for the part of any movie or TV show where the villain is like explaining their plan and everything kind of, uh, so I, I liked it. And then, man, I know you really didn't like that scene with, with the guy, but that is just so brutal of a of a thing and and it does remind me of inside man and the dark knight and i'm like which are both movies that i love and like those scenes i even love so so but in those I, the I, victim survives you know like yeah batman saves them all as the cops are shooting them that was like yeah. one one second difference you're right. You're right. Um, and I actually did flip back to that page a couple times to confirm that they did like kill that guy because I was like, maybe they didn't shoot him and they like realized, no, they like lit him up. They made him Swiss cheese. Um, so that's the bad part of the issue, right? The Doc Ox plan thing is actually kind of a good thing. And if the cops had just noticed and been like, that's not him. He's he escaped. Right. Where is he? Then. All of a sudden, I think we're having a totally different conversation here. We're we're like, man, that's I really like that, right? From Doc Ock, but because in the next page the police light that guy up, now it's a whole different conversation where we're talking about like, you know, Islamophobia in the early two thousand and ones. Would would you maybe agree with that, or would you still? I not? I get where you're coming from. There, it crosses a certain threshold of like dark and edgy and then you also add in all of these factors where it's yeah. like okay this was a whole thing they could have minimized that and told a very similar story without having some of those problems yeah um so you know i i do think we see like a level of brutality here with doc ock with a couple of the lines he says he yanks peter's tooth out you know um He's just really proving himself as a villain, I think. And uh, also at the end, when Gwen finds out he's Spider-Man, I was kind of like waiting for that to happen. She's too smart a girl to be this close to everything without like putting this together at a certain point. So so I've been waiting for that for a couple like storylines now, I feel like. That is true. I just feel like if we are so going I, to... So I'm going to give this one a four also because I, I actually did like it a lot. 
Sorry, okay. Zach. <laughs> no, no, I'm sorry. Um, I just feel like if we are going to rightly call out brutalism just for the sake of brutalism when Mark Millar does it in Ultimates, we got to also call it out here when our faves do it. And it's just as clunky and problematic and the, not the good storytelling. The difference is when Mark Millar does it, it's the heroes doing it. And that is true. This, it's the villain doing it. And like, haven't you got on me before when I'm like, I don't like that the villain killed that random guy. And you're like, he's a villain. That's what he does. Like, you yeah. Know, Okay, you're not wrong about that, but <laughs> I I still maintain it's just it's um you know it goes further than what it, you would yeah. reasonably expect, at, you know, as the reader of this material. Like you're not watching Twenty Four, you know, you're reading Ultimate Spider Man. You signed up for an Ultimate Spider Man story. Yeah, it would have been nice if the police had noticed before they killed him. Would have been I great. That, that, that would, would have been great if if the cops had just thought before they shot that that unarmed guy. That just would have been great. Anyways, I'm ready to be done talking <laughs> about that. Do you okay, get anything else, too. Zach? I have so much more. I know that the football game started like almost an hour ago. I actually have a lot more to talk about. Um, okay. Do you want to? Yeah, let's get into it. Okay, so the football thing I was going to talk about earlier that we don't have to spend a lot of time on, but. We were talking about like the glory days of the past. And in our fantasy group, me listeners after this, I'm going to talk about the flash. So if you care more about that than this Tim Tebow thing that I'm about to talk about, then skip ahead a couple minutes. Okay. And you can hear me talk about the flash that I watched this past week. But do you remember that year that Tim Tebow Tebow time? Like when he was with the Broncos? That one year where he started like 10 games at the end of the year and it was like incredible and it was like, yeah, our fantasy league was just talking about it the other day. And uh, that was just the most fun football season of all time. I think like you I think? don't think anything from that was so much fun to watch those like 10 weeks. I just thought it was the most fun and we were just talking about it. And I went back and watched a video on Tebow time because I wanted to be like, were the games really that incredible? Yes, they were. They were absolutely incredible, like the comebacks that they made in the fourth quarter. So so anyway, I wanted to see if you like remembered that and if you had any thoughts on it one way or the other. Oh, for sure. I mean, I I mean, listen, I grew up in the church. I was a kind of had to be a Tebow fan in the you know, 2000s when he was with Florida. I mean, those were some fun teams to watch. Um, and then he got to the NFL. And like you said, there was that one year where it's just like, it's not just that they were winning games. It's not just that they were like having these miraculous comebacks. It's like they were playing really bad, ugly, sloppy football <laughs> that went all the way around to actually being fun. And then they would win. It was. That's what I was saying. Like, they were the worst games ever. And then the fourth quarter happened. He completed and like were two passes pretty, one time. Yeah, yeah. And and one of them was like a 57-yard touchdown. Yeah. It was just amazing. And and specifically, I remember this game against the Bears because my buddy Nick, who I was living with at the time, is a huge Bears fan and was like very anti-Tebow. And me and my other buddy, John, were like huge Tebow fans, like almost like in a jokingly way. We were just like loving it. Because it's making our other buddy so annoyed. And that comeback against the Bears 
was so much fun to watch next to him because it was just insane. And the Bears made so many mental errors at the end of the game that should have ended the game. And it was just like the luckiest thing ever. <laughs> Tim Tebow was like a more high profile, like Mark Sanchez, because both of them just played absolutely god awful sloppy football, but then won. And you're like, how do they keep doing it? That's such an insult to Tebow to compare him to Mark Sanchez. Mark Sanchez is a terrible quarterback. All Tim Tebow does is win, baby. Well, that was Mark Sanchez his first few years. He his like first, went to the yeah. They went to he the, went to the championship game. Championship back games. Back yeah. to back his first two years. Um okay, you want to hear about the flash? Yeah. Have you ever watched it? What do you know about it? Um, I know that everyone hated it and it was like a box office bomb and we've talked about this. Like the um Michael Keaton Batman doesn't mean anything to me. Okay. The so, Supergirl girl seems kind of interesting. She's like pretty and I guess people liked her character, but like other than that, I don't okay. know. Okay. There you have it, folks. Girls have to be pretty to be interesting. <laughs> I didn't say that. <laughs> Um, so do you, do you know, like the plot of it at all? I'm sure you don't care if I spoil as much as I want to here. I know he's like going back in time by running really fast to save his family. Okay. So good things, good things and bad things from this movie. You want to hear the good or the bad first? There's more bad than good, but there is some good in there. Uh, let's hear the good. Okay. The good scenes, starting from a comedy perspective, the scene where Barry is back in time and he's talking to his parents and then he looks out the window and he sees Barry from like, he sees past Barry and past Barry is listening to music and he's just like stomping around on his way home, like picking trash cans over. It made me laugh so hard watching it. So just genuinely, that was an awesome scene. And like physical comedy of like this kid is an idiot but that's awesome i just like i just thought it was great i recommend like what also to say although this isn't the best movie i did have a lot of fun with it as i do with almost any movie that i watch so that's I feel like great... you can you can find the good in some really bad stuff definitely and and i have just as much fun being like that is awful Right, it still brings me the enjoyment of watching it, you know. That's good. If that makes sense. Um, so, Flash stomping across the yard, that's what I said. Uh, that, And then there's another scene later on that they're about to like go into battle at the very end. And this is, comes completely out of nowhere, but Flash just... The first Flash goes, okay, Barbie. And the next one kind of confusedly goes, let's go party. And that was hilarious, too. <laughs> I was like, that's really funny. Um, don't know why. but So those were the two bright spots of comedy in this movie. <laughs> yeah, I sure don't know why either. Um, I think you will if you watch him. You'll be like, that was, that was pretty good. Especially, especially the scene of him like stomping across the yard. I think you'll watch it and laugh. Um, and then some really good scenes, I thought. They're in this chronobol thing where they're going back in time when Barry's going back in time. I think it looks really cool the way it is. It's almost like he's running and there's like screens all around him where he can like see different moments. I think it's just a really cool looking scene. And 
the other the bad guy who's like a purple monster flash jumps in and like kicks him out and i was like that was awesome i'm like super interested in in who that per- i knew who it was already because i've i've seen spoilers but i was like man this that was pretty good like i'm very intrigued by by what just happened you were hooked i was so that was a good scene at the end flash talks to his mom and has to say goodbye to her and and it's a pretty emotional scene that I liked a lot. And then Flash and Supergirl also have some good scenes where one time he's like saving her and then she like returns the favor and is like carrying him. And, and it's just there's just some good. I think there's some good emotional moments in it. Now for Doesn't all the she bad die? stuff. Yes, yeah, she does. Um, Now for all the bad stuff in this movie. The CGI in it is so bad. Even going into it, knowing that every, I know it's weird to, we're, I'm giving a review on a really old movie that like everyone has already seen, but you and I both, we didn't care about this when it came out at all. So, but even knowing that everyone has complained about the CGI and seeing it in pictures and scenes, it's so much worse than you could assume. It is like, it takes you way out of it in certain scenes. It's like, this is just awful. Including the very opening scene where he like has to rescue a hospital. It's impossible to, to even follow what's happening in the scene because the whole time you're just like, this looks so bad. Like, you know, and, and it's, and it's just the silliest thing ever. He's like saving a bunch of babies. It looks terrible. It's just so goofy. I heard someone say it was like CW show level quality. It's it's embarrassing how much money they spent on it. It's it's worse than that. It's it's the worst thing you will ever see in a finished product because because if companies couldn't do better than that, they wouldn't try to do all the stuff. You would never see CGI that bad in the CW because they just won't try to do that type of stuff. Because it looks too bad. <laughs> Interesting. Um, I don't know how. I don't know how they could spend that much money on it. But anyways, you know, it's just, see, right, you can still understand the story. It's the uh, hottest, most expensive technology from 1994. Pretty pretty much. And they're like, yeah. So Flash, Flash is reminiscing on the past when his parents, when his mom dies. And he he first finds out he can go back in time and he goes and talks to Ben Affleck and he's like, Bruce, I can fix all this. I can go back in time. And Bruce Wayne gives him a a speech and he's like, you can't do that. You know, blah, 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 blah. And then Flash is like, that makes sense. I'm feeling really emotional right now. And I kind of want to go back in time and, and, and potentially destroy everything do you want to hang out? And Bruce is like, no, I don't. All right. Have a good night. And of course, flash just immediately goes back in time. And that's not in character for, for Batman at all. He literally came out of the Batcave to talk to the flash. And then he's immediately like, okay, I've got to go see you later. Like, so that's kind of, you know, just, just something I didn't really like. I was like, Bruce should have stayed and, and had a beer with him or something. Zach, it's not that much fun giving my reviews on a movie because you haven't seen it. 
I'm just talking to myself over here. Well, no, I'm listening. If if you were giving me a review about a movie I've seen, it wouldn't be a review. It'd be a discussion. Okay, that's true. Um, I, I've only got a couple other other things that I have that I feel compelled to mention. Okay. Barry is thinking about the past, the day his parents die, and we see his mom starts to sing, and his dad is like, let me get the exact quote right. She starts, his dad is like, Barry, she's about to sing! Run! Run, Barry! It's not the line. It's run, Barry, run, not run, run, Barry. So if they're going to say it, why not just say the actual line that is like the famous flash line? Oh, that's like the famous flash line? Yeah, well, at least least in the TV show, they say it all the time. Run, Barry, run. And in this movie, he says, run. And and I'm like, oh, my God, he's going to say the thing. And then he's like, run, Barry. And, And I'm like, that's not it. There you you put it out of order. That's I didn't even know there was a thing. I am so bad at knowing anything about DC. I I just so that kind of annoyed me because stuff like that always annoys me. Anyway, when you say the TV the show, are you talking about like the CW Flash? Yeah, the the CW Flash. Okay, but I but I would be willing to wager that that is also in the comics quite a bit. They say run, Barry, run. Um, but I'm not going to look it up. Okay. The multiverse stuff doesn't make sense. The time travel stuff doesn't make sense. They can't decide what they want to do with it. You know, does the multiverse exist because we see all those people at the end? Does the multiverse only exist because Barry went back in time and all these worlds are doomed because they shouldn't exist? They just can't decide what they want to do with it. So it doesn't make sense. Here's where I'm going to spoil this. What happens for you, Zach? Oh, they're no. fighting. They're fighting Zod at the end. Newberry, Oldberry, Supergirl, Michael Keaton, Batman. They're fighting Zod at the end. Zod beats them. He kills Batman and Supergirl. And they're like, we should go back in time and save them. We can we can go back in time. We should do that. And they're like, that's a good idea. Let's go back in time and, and we can fix this. So they go back in time. They do the fight again. They They actually make some ground, I would say. They specifically find out something so important, which is that the Kryptonians can be killed by their own weapons. Just like the Flash can be killed by the Kryptonian. Like, they, they actually hurt these people, you know? Because Flash gets one, and he kills a Kryptonian, and you see his face. He's like, oh my gosh. Like, but they still lose. Supergirl and Batman both die again. And then young Flash is like, we can try it again. We can try this an unlimited amount of times. And old Barry is like, don't you see? We can never win. You haven't tried that many times. You've literally <laughs> only tried once. <laughs> you you should try more times, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and and then he tries to give young Barry a speech where he's like, Don't you see? Like this this will never work. This we just have to go all the way back and set it right where I let mom die. He's like dooming this flash of the moral world of this story. to not existing. So how are we supposed? 
we would side if if somebody walked into our Flash's universe and was like, "Hey, this universe isn't supposed to exist. We need to kill it to make the real universe exist again." We'd be like, "No, dude, that's not how this works. Like, that's that's a super villain." Yeah, that so so it doesn't from Young Flash's perspective, he should try everything in his power. It's his entire world. So it just doesn't make sense. Like I said, you didn't try that many times. You only went back in time one time. You can do it more, you know, especially when you just found a weapon that can help you with, right? Wouldn't that be a good thing? Go back in time. Hey, Superman, Supergirl, by the way, their weapons kill them. Superman would have that down in like one second. He's like a beast at using people's powers against them. Anyway, yeah, that sounds like the most terrible thing ever. Yeah, that the the ending and that whole part is really when the movie kind of spoiled the climax a little bit. I think they could have made it a lot better. Also, I think if they did reverse Flash somehow being the villain instead of like a younger Barry being the villain, that makes the movie a lot better also because young Flash redeems himself at the end anyways. So what's the point of him being the villain, you know? He's like, just like a monster man, kind of like make it a real person that anyway, it was fun. You should watch it. You should watch it sometime and tell me, tell me who it is. I hope I haven't bored the listeners just by talking about this random stuff. What do you give it out of 10 jumps back? Oh, okay. (laughs) Um, I will give this a six out of 10 out of jumps back in time. Uh, I I did have fun with it, you know. I gotcha. I thought it was a good time, even if it could have been better. The same way I think about all the DC movies now. <laughs> well, there you go, listeners. If you were thinking about watching something, but you don't need it, to you be should watch it. Superb. Yeah, get around to it. Yeah, it's fun it's- to be like, man, that CGI is terrible. But I promise you, when you see the scene of Young Flash stomping through the yard you will at the very least laugh because I think it looks so funny. <laughs> it's an average movie with a funny scene, a glowing <laughs> John Opat recommendation. There you go. There you go. Um. Well, now I don't have anything else. That was it. That was it. You have anything for us? I feel like I've really monopolized this podcast <laughs> the last like 10 to 15 minutes. No, man, you're good. It was a good little palate cleanser because there was a lot of stuff in these issues that sucked. Yeah, that's that's true. There's I'm sorry you had such a bad time with them. I actually Oh, it's fine. Them. I don't think I'll ever have that problem again in this podcast. And we get the ending of this storyline next week. We do. We? we get to finish up the Hollywood arc. Yeah. Okay. Well, should I should I take us out? I think so. Okay. Thank you to Ian Hickey for the music and Alyssa Seaman for the artwork. And thank you all for listening and leaving us a review or a comment. You can find us the first read ultimate Spider-Man podcast on Spotify, Apple music, anywhere you find podcasts. And you can come chat with us and leave us a message on Instagram at first read podcast. Send us an email at first read Spidey at gmail.com or find us on YouTube. First read ultimate Spider-Man podcast at first read ultimate Spider-Man podcast. See you next week, Zach. See ya. See ya.